0: Squidward. Welcome to the night shift.
1: Time to wrap up the week, folks, and welcome in to another live edition of the MI6 Sports Networks late night sports talk show that folks of course is the night shift coming your way live here on this sunday evening october 11th 2020 wrapping up our week of coverage here on the mi6 sports Network. as always folks probably should be joined on the late night program by fellow night owl isaiah leung from the garage studio up in fremont california and of course folks yours truly i'm here from the home studio in san diego Isaiah, good to see you, buddy. An action-packed day, of course. The uh, NBA Finals have come to a conclusion with the Lakers winning their 17th NBA title, their 12th in Los Angeles, and their uh, illustrious franchise history. Other than that, man, good to see you. How are we doing tonight?
0: Callan, I was doing really bad earlier after my 49ers suffered a disgraceful defeat to the Miami Dolphins but hey man my mood is 100% better the Lakers are the NBA champions I've been waiting for this for 10 freaking years ever since I was in fifth grade I've been waiting for this we've had to go through so many bad times from the Ryan Kelly era the Robert Sacra era the era when we had uh, guys like Ryan Kelly Chris Kamen, Jordan Clarkson starting in our starting lineup to get to this point. It's been a long journey, man. But the trophy is finally back in Los Angeles. It is so damn good to be a Laker fan again. We are on top of the world, man. It just feels so good. I I just wish I was down there in Los Angeles. I wish I hadn't come back from my San Diego trips. So I can go there and celebrate with my fellow Laker fans. But other than that, man, uh, it's been a great night, man. And I guarantee you, I probably won't be sleeping tonight until like 6 a.m. Uh, tomorrow morning because I'm going to be up and busy celebrating.
1: Of course, folks, a bit more about the Lakers' victory later in the show. But of course, folks, as a reminder and a rehash of the format of this program, again, if you've been away from, perhaps, again, as mentioned, maybe at work on a Sunday or on a, uh, on a Tuesday or on A Saturday night, of course, folks, we try our best to come here and give you a Notes version pretty much of the big games and big stories of the uh, day in sports across an hour pretty much here. But, of course, folks, find us across the web on your favorite social platforms. You can also, as well, folks, find us as well via your podcast app as well, of course, via the MI6 Sports Network as well. So definitely, folks, we appreciate all of the support. With that, Isaiah, we'll start off, though, but we'll keep the uh, celebration right now on ice. Uh, For the Lakers, we'll get to uh, to that a little bit later in the show. Not at this juncture. Of course, week five of the NFL season, though, kicking off more so today. And a bombshell announcement Isaiah made uh, during the course of this uh, NBA Finals game after, of course, the Atlanta Falcons uh, saw their uh, losing streak go to five straight games as they lose to Carolina earlier in the day, 23-16. However, though, folks, some news did, in fact, break, though, during the latter part of the Sunday evening uh, in regards to uh, reports from both Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter that both the Atlanta Falcons have decided to both, uh, not official yet, but are going to, in fact, fire head coach Dan Quinn and also the club's general manager either as early as of Monday or even on Tuesday at this juncture. So, of course, Isaiah, the uh, Falcons lose their fifth straight game. And now, man, as we have talked about here, maybe a lot, though, in the NFL was more so about Dan Quinn. We knew, of course, that Bill O'Brien may have been on the hot seat. Of course, he was canned a couple of weeks ago or maybe actually just earlier in the week more so. But that it was kind of like, you know, one shoe fell and then another shoe was going to fall eventually with now the second head coaching firing within the last uh, several days across the NFL. Uh, Isaiah, overall thoughts more so on the Falcons decision to both for one, fire Dan Quinn, but also as well, oust the general manager as well at the same exact time.
0: Yeah, uh, Callum, uh, before I get my thoughts on it, I just want to give uh, a quick update. Um, It actually is official. The Falcons announced it on their website. I think it was like 45 minutes ago that they relieved Dan Quinn of his uh, head coaching duties as well as their general manager, Thomas Dimitrov. So both of them have been fired officially. So now there's a head coach and a general manager vacancy in Atlanta. But the Atlanta Falcons had to do this, man. Dan Quinn, uh, yes, he took them to the Super Bowl. But after taking them to the Super Bowl, his years as the Atlanta Falcons head coach has just not been good. You know, it has just shown you that Kyle Shanahan was the main reason why the Atlanta Falcons were uh, were a Super Bowl team that year in twenty sixteen. It had nothing to do with Dan Quinn. His defenses in his entire tenure with the Atlanta Falcons were awful, and that is saying a lot because Dan Quinn is a defensive mind. So if you know, you, your defense, your specialty is really bad, then why on earth should you be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons? It makes no sense whatsoever. He had to go. Thomas Dimitriov had to go. His drafts the last few years have been awful. The Atlanta Falcons needed a clean slate, and they're getting it right now. And I really hope that for Matt Ryan's sake, that Atlanta decides to go with an offensive-minded coach because in his entire tenure with the Atlanta Falcons thus far, Matt Ryan, I believe, has only had defensive-minded coaches. So he needs to have an offensive-minded coach, a guy that knows how to work well with quarterbacks who can get his career back on track. And, you know, they, they also need a guy that in the front office that can get along with the coach because there were reports that came out that Thomas Dmitrioff and Dan Quinn were uh, kind of not get, uh, getting along. And when you, when the coach and the GM can't get along, that's never good in any organization. So it's a good clean slate for the Atlanta Falcons. And I hope they take advantage of it because Hey, Matt Ryan, he is getting older by the day and you're wasting his prime by the day. And by the minute,
1: I definitely agree. You know, and like I said, Isaiah, maybe on uh, Monday or on Wednesday, uh, I think it was Monday or actually Wednesday. It was one of the two shows, though, on Wild Sports Talk. It's, as you can tell, folks, we've had a very long week here with programming, as we usually do here on the 6th. But I think, Isaiah, I had said, though, and I think John Mathis, our fellow co-host, said it a little bit better than I could, though, on Wednesday in regards to that this stuff happens, though, where maybe players and coaches don't see eye to eye. There's probably some infighting amongst the organization or amongst uh, teammates, and sometimes it's coaches and GMs. I think, though, it's worse, I think, though, if it's a GM and coach clashing, because, of course, those are the two, you know, uh, you know uh, high ups on the uh, hierarchy for running, uh, running uh, club operations on the field, though. And if there's a disagreement there, that is not a very good sign. So, again, folks, again, we've had uh, uh, some, uh, some reports coming in about it being official or not. But, again, reports from both uh, Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen of ESPN, both uh, allegedly confirming And in fact, the uh, Falcons will part ways with Dan Quinn and their uh, club's general manager as well, uh, probably as early as Monday morning. Some comments rolling in real quick about uh, some of the games. First of all, Angel Barragón, Jr., of course, Angel's been a very great uh, follower of the network recently. He says, blame the coaching staff. Everyone knew that Jimmy Garoppolo was not ready for today's game. He also agrees, been waiting 10 years for this, proud to be a Laker fan. Of course, definitely agree on this show as well. And also Angel agrees, bye-bye to Mr. Dan Quinn. He also says, Adam Gase, you are next. And also Christy says, not surprised that the Falcons uh, fired their GM and their head coach. David B. Stotts joining us from Cleveland. Uh, Gents, good to see you as always there, Mr. Stotts. As usual, Casey agrees, fellas, no surprise there on the Falcons. And also Angel says, uh, the Falcons are way better than a 0-5 team with both Ryan and Gurley both playing great. And also, uh, Casey says, I agree about the Jets. I agree about Gaze is next, and I don't know how he got a second chance after he sucked it up with the Dolphins. Definitely agree. And also, Mr. Brad writes in real quick. He says, my Falcons, it was time. All my ATL peeps are okay with it. So I want your thoughts on his proposed strategy that he's proposing. Tank for number one. Offer Dabo, or offer to Dabo and promise Lawrence. Trade Matt Ryan to a contender, even though I love him. Uh, I think, Isaiah, Brad's onto a very good point here. I know, of course, that it's probably both New York clubs and Atlanta at the forefront right now to land Trevor Lawrence. But I think, though, this is probably, I think, a very – I wouldn't call it uh, call it bold, but I like Brad's logic, though, of reaching out to a guy like Adabo Sweeney, you know, already coaching um, at the college level. You know, if Atlanta could somehow get that number one pick and, for one, get Lawrence there, but also bring his head coach along, I think that's great, though, but also – Perhaps, though, what do you think, though, mainly about perhaps dealing away Matt Ryan to a contending ball club? What do you think? Isaiah, you're muted.
0: My bad. I'm going to start with a dabble question first. Uh, My thoughts on that is... Listen, I don't like I know a lot of people are saying, like, get dabbled to the NFL, get dabbled to the NFL. The reason why I don't like the idea of getting dabbled to the NFL is because when you look at him at Clemson, he doesn't call plays uh, on the offensive side or the defensive side of things. He's not really uh, involved on the offensive side or the defensive side of things. He's mainly there uh, as a guy that is a great motivator and a guy that is a great recruiter. That is his main job. As the head coach of the Clemson Tigers, he's a great leader, but I just don't think he's going to work in the NFL because if you go to the NFL, yes, you will be good as a great motivator, but you're not really, you don't really need to recruit players because you just offer some like a star free agent, a lot of money, and he's going to come to your team. So I don't really think that dabble really fits the NFL. Um, I, I, I like the idea, but I just don't think he fits in the NFL very well. He's kind of the same as uh, Ed Orgeron as to why I wouldn't want Ed Orgeron in the NFL because he doesn't really uh, is in, as involved in the offense or the defense in terms of game planning. He's just more there as a CEO. He's there as a motivator and a recruiter. So I don't think he would be a good fit. Um, as for Matt Ryan, listen, I think there's a really interesting landing spot for Matt Ryan. And that is San Francisco. You know, you guys saw what has happened the last couple of weeks. Nick Mullins, we saw what uh, that disaster that happened against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. And then today, Jimmy Garoppolo, he comes back. He was supposed to do well and save the 49ers. And what happened? He goes out there and he absolutely stinks it up on the field. Goes 7 for 17. 54 yards passing, two interceptions, really bad. The 49ers have a major question mark at quarterback right now. And I just think that Kyle Shanahan, he has a lot of familiarity with Matt Ryan. He's had success with Matt Ryan in the past. He he and Matt Ryan led the Falcons to that Super Bowl. I just think that Kyle Shanahan, he knows Matt Ryan, I think can win him a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan might be the missing piece for the 49ers. And the 49ers, who knows, with the way – Things are going right now. They might have a top pick uh, in the coming NFL draft. So they might trade that one to Atlanta for Matt Ryan. So I could definitely see San Francisco
1: being a landing spot for Matt Ryan. You know, Isaiah, some other great spots popped up here. I'm kind of like drowning in this comment, but I, <laughs> we'll, we'll be switching our uh, on-screen graphics here, folks, very shortly. But again, Brad, I, for one, man, love the uh, process here in regards to, again, going after that number one pick trying to lure Dabo Sweeney uh, to, uh, and promise uh, to pick Trevor Lawrence and try to trade Matty Ice to a contender. I think that's all a great recipe. I think, though, that my only concern, though, is that we have seen, sadly, my man, a lot of college coaches try to get, make that jump to the NFL, and it hasn't really panned out. We saw Saban go back to college. We've seen other guys do that across uh, maybe uh, many, many years ago where I know, of course, we've seen like the Billy Donovans of the world and Brad Stevens of the world make it big in the NBA. But Brad, I think you're on to a very great point, though. A very great case can be made, though, for that argument, uh, for sure. But I think that is actually a very great proposed strategy. We'll see, though, if uh, anyone does, in fact, take the bait. A couple more comments surrounding this real quick as well. Isaiah coming to the forefront here at this juncture. Um, Good one here from Casey. He says, if they trade Ryan... Don't be surprised though, if he goes to New England. Remember, he played his college ball at Boston College, so I like that definitely for sure. Uh, Mr. Chris Davis, uh, along with our sources from MGM in Vegas, he says, how about Matty Ice to Dallas? That is probably one that we'll get into a little bit later on here in just a few moments. Definitely agree uh, with uh, Mr. Davis on that idea. Um Let's see what else we got here. Uh, David, though, was is with Isaiah. Dabo in the NFL, I see ending up like Saban. Dabo is very good at grooming young boys into men, and he doesn't tolerate nonsense. He'll go down as one of the greats in college. Please stay in Death Valley. Chardal also writes, and he says, I, if I would want Matt Ryan to play for teams, it would be New England, Tampa, Cleveland, San Francisco, the Jets, or even Chicago. I think Chicago is definitely a landing spot. But more so, like I've said, though, it's not mainly this time on Foles or Trubisky. It's on the play calling and head coaching philosophy. And uh, Brad agrees with Casey uh, that he might be, in fact, onto something in regards to Matt Ryan perhaps going to New England. But, Isaiah, let's actually kind of chew on Chris's point here. Of course, I know that we'll talk about the Dallas game momentarily after we get through uh, two other games here. But how about uh, Matt Ryan if he is, in fact, dealt but going to the Cowboys instead of maybe going to New England or elsewhere? What do you think about that? I could honestly see it because right
0: now, um, you know, really sucks that Dak Prescott suffered that gruesome ankle injury. We're praying for him, wishing him uh, nothing but the best and a speedy recovery. But I think that with Dallas having a big void at quarterback and who knows if Dak Prescott is going to play again because, you know, that injury kind of looked like Alex Smith's injury to me. Um, and it was really bad. But who I don't know if Dak Prescott will play again. I just think that if you bring in Matt Ryan, I think it will be a good move because it will solidify not only uh, the quarterback position for you for this season, but as well as uh, next season and the years after that. So it will basically secure your future at quarterback for the next
1: couple of seasons and give you a window to try to win a championship. Angel also has one more uh, write in about coaches. As for Washington, Steve Spurrier was just collecting Florida quarterbacks in his time there, and David responds to Shardal by saying, well, actually, first, Christy Wilson writes, and I heard that Dax injury is not as bad as Alex Smith's. It was not uh, – we'll have more about that, folks, in just a few moments here so we can hang tight about the Dallas game. That would be very much appreciated. And also, David wanted to write in and say, hey, Cleveland does not need a QB. Baker Mayfield has led that ball club to a great 4-1 and start at this time. We'll get yeah, to that We'll get to them in a few moments here, folks, as well. So, again, I know we want to kind of jump around, but, again, we have a a set script of games to get through here. I know we want to talk about Dallas and talk about Cleveland. We'll get to them, folks, I promise, in just a few moments here. So, please, if you can, hang tight. With that, Isaiah, next thing we wanted to get to, or we want to get to, is Vegas and the KC Chiefs today. The autumn wind blowing down the Chiefs today at Arrowhead Stadium. Big-time win for the Vegas uh, Raiders, 40-24 over the Pat Mahomes-led Chiefs. Again, that was a seesaw battle for a while, but Isaiah... Great play down the show by the Raiders. And, of course, a couple of big interceptions and some costly turnovers done by the Chiefs. And, of course, uh, their defense giving me a minus one point for uh, fantasy this week. But Isaiah Morse, so I think this is all about the Raiders, though, man. You know, for them having a very bad losing streak against the Chiefs over the past several seasons. And also, I think, that, of course, the Chiefs have won 13 straight games, though, going into this ballgame. And perhaps maybe in a way... A KC ball club making that very rare mistake of maybe overlooking an opponent, which I think you obviously don't want to do. But I think it's kind of what I think doomed the Chiefs in this ballgame, plus, of course, maybe play calling, uh, bad time-step turnovers. Isaiah, overall thoughts on Vegas snapping that uh, lengthy Chiefs winning streak getting back to last season?
0: Um, I was really impressed by the performance of the Las Vegas Raiders, especially their defense, to hold a Patrick Mahomes-led offense to just 22 yards before you know kansas city scored uh two touched or not two touches one touchdown uh after the raiders had taken a 40 to i believe it was 26 point lead in the fourth quarter it was basically garbage time pat mahomes just led the chiefs uh down the field to score and then they couldn't recover the onside kick but to really hold the chiefs offense down but before that point to 22 yards of total offense in the second half is just downright incredible for me. I think we've been hating on uh, the Raider defense uh, for a while now. I think we've said on this show, I think you and me both Callen have said that Paul Gunther has got to go. His defenses, he's been there for three years. His defense has just gotten worse in each year that he's been there, but Hey, they did their job today. I was very, very impressed. Max Crosby, that game-sealing sack against Patrick Mahomes. Great job on that. Um, Jonathan Abram played good. Uh, He was the enforcer um, in the secondary for the Las Vegas Raiders today. And, you know, Callan, I just think that the the Raiders exposed a major flaw that I've been saying that the Kansas City Chiefs have, and that is their defense is not good. Their defense is not good. Last year, their defense wasn't good. Uh, They were bend, don't break. They were lucky to win that Super Bowl because they gave up. Like, if Jimmy G makes that throw, the Chiefs lose that Super Bowl. But their defense is just not good, and the Raiders showed it today. The Raiders put up, what, 40-plus points on the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Mahomes can get you really far, but, hey, if that defense, uh, you know, cannot, like, get its act together – I have a hard time believing, honestly, that the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl next year. I get that they have a great offense, but that defense needs to play better,
1: man. No, I agree. I think they'll still be fine, though, but the defense definitely has some uh, holes to patch up. Definitely for sure. A couple of thoughts about this. James Gonzalez, resident Raider fan, writes in saying, can't believe my Raiders won. showed what they can be when the defense plays well. Isaiah, I definitely agree, though, because, you know, I think the Raiders and Chiefs are very similar. I know, of course, that, you know, one team is, you know, you know, uh, light years ahead of the other ball club. But at the same time, though, one side of the ball plays great one day and then the other side doesn't play well. If you can get both those to mesh, you have yourselves a very great recipe to win ball games. Do you agree? Yeah,
0: I agree with you. That's why I think the Chiefs, if they can somehow get that defense to... They don't have to be the best defense in the NFL. If they can get that defense to... Maybe top 15 in the NFL, then there's nobody that's going to stop uh, Kansas City because right now their offense is already really good. Their kryptonite is their defense. If you get that, if that defense can improve to the top 15 or maybe even top 10, but that, I think that might be saying too much. If they can improve vastly, there is nobody that's going to beat Kansas City with a well rounded team they've got.
1: Chris Davis chimes back in per his sources in Vegas. There was a better at the South Point that bet twenty thousand on the Raiders plus eleven to win thirty-two thousand dollars, and if I'm not mistaken, Mister Davis, but per MGM last night on on Saturday, I believe that the Chiefs were the second highest um, opening line at minus eleven to win the game. I believe Baltimore was a bigger favorite than the uh, Chiefs were, if, if I'm uh, not mistaken, or if I am correct, please let me know. And also, Angel chimes in as well. Not surprised that Derek Carr and the Raiders are playing like the 2016 Raiders all over again in case he agrees. Good win for the Raiders over the Chiefs as well. Isaiah uh, wants to add on one more point about this game. What do you got for us, man?
0: Hey, I don't want to gloat, but you're looking at a guy who, for our uh, MI6 Sports Network's pink skin pick up, I picked the Raiders over the Chiefs, And somehow, some way, Derek Carr and those Raiders rewarded me for my faith in them. So thank you so much, Derek Carr. I really appreciate it. Now, Justin Herbert, I'm turning it over to you. Please, I stunned the world last night and picked your Chargers to upset the Saints. Please do the same thing and reward my faith in you. Please.
1: I'm begging you. Coming from a guy who's still at the very bottom of the barrel right now in our pigskin pick'em standings, and also Jesus Blackman writes in, John Gooden has proven himself, and also I think he has so far the season, and also Chris confirms that, in fact, yes, the Chiefs were the second highest favorite to win on Sunday. They were they again chimed in at minus 11. Uh, the Ravens were minus 12 to beat uh, Cincinnati earlier in the day. One more thought from Isaiah. What do you got for us, bud?
0: Yeah, I just want to throw an interesting stat before we move on, and that is, I think I saw this on the telecast, um, and that was Patrick Mahomes held the record for the most games played to start his career without losing by more than a touchdown, seven points. And that was 40, and that all came to an end today when he lost by eight points to the Raiders.
1: And also Chris wants to uh, take the air out of Isaiah's balloon. Chargers will lose Saints all day. Oh, when the Saints go marching in and give me New Orleans, like I said already on Monday night football. With that, folks, our next game on the schedule here, Isaiah. Of course, the very great, somehow close game between Dallas and New York. And of course, as we have already uh, touched based upon folks, but again, the very sad and very gruesome injury to Dak Prescott. But Andy Dalton leading the Cowboys in a comeback effort, 37-34, over the very, what would what look like a very stingy giant offense today from AT&T Stadium. Obviously, Isaiah, very heartbreaking moment, regardless if you like the Cowboys and Dak Prescott or not, man. But anytime you see a, a guy get injured like that in that fashion, the emotion pouring out of everybody, both sides of the ball, man. It sucks to see. And again, folks, uh, Dak was in fact rushed, of course, uh, to the locker room after the injury. And also, per Adam Schefter, is in for surgery tonight as well. At this juncture, too. So, again, all the best to Dak. And also, I think the very telling shot was Dak's parents being up in the, I believe, the executive suite uh, with Cowboy Brass and uh, mom crying on the shoulder of Pop. So, hopefully, nothing more uh, comes out of it. But at the same time, though, Isaiah, uh, probably a game, I think, Dallas, uh, obviously, for one, needed. But also, man, getting into a shootout affair with a very warful Giants offense game with no Saquon Barkley. And yet, though, Daniel Jones almost lifting this club to a victory, but it's Andy Dalton in his first start. uh, uh, Nonetheless, a backup role at this juncture uh, to lift the Cowboys over the game uh, or over the Giants, I should say. Uh, Overall thoughts, Isaiah, again, a very crazy, of course, very sad day, too, again, seeing one of the uh, the great guys in football and Dak Prescott suffer that injury. But at the same time, though, Dallas wins the game, and now they have uh, first place in the very dreadful NFC East division.
0: Yeah, um, before I get to this game, I just want to, um, you know, give my best to Dak Prescott. I wish him uh, nothing but the best. I hope, really hope that his surgery goes well and that you know he can come back uh, strong and ball out because I know he's a he's a he's a great quarterback and you know I feel really bad for him. My heart is hurting for him because, and you know, the injury was one thing, but to know that basically all of his future might be gone because, you know, he was playing on a franchise tag, right? He was playing on a franchise tag. Um, He didn't secure that massive contract that he was looking for and basically secure his future. And to know all of that is gone just like that is really, really sad. So I really hope that he comes comes back and uh, balls out because I really want to see him earn that uh, massive contract that he deserves and not be a uh, another DeMarcus cousins. And, but in terms of this game, crazy. Uh, I thought, I, yeah, it was a really crazy game. I thought that uh, I think we all did that. It was going to be a very high scoring game because both defenses are awful. Um, the Dallas Cowboys defense did nothing to impress me again. Uh, the giants and Daniel Jones, one of the worst offenses in the NFL was just lighting them up down like they were just going down right down the field on them it was just a really bad another really bad showing for the uh new for the dallas cowboy defense they definitely had to fix that they want us they want anywhere to sit um in the nfc contenders table but i just think that the cowboys um i'm really impressed that they got this win because when Dak went down you could see that the air got sucked out of the stadium and i thought that you know with that Dak, his gruesome injury, that they were going to lose this game. But I'm really impressed that they rallied back and won this game for Dak Prescott.
1: You know, the play itself was very, in my mind, a bit strange because when I saw Dak get hit and he got and he fell down and was obviously tackled, I believe he was short of the first down or may have got the first down like it mattered in that moment. But as you saw the camera go on Dak and you first saw him grab his calf, I thought he was cramping up to be very blunt, honest with you. But then as I looked at his foot and I saw it was kind of pointed off in that that odd direction, like, oh, my goodness, he just broke his damn ankle. And I literally said that to uh, all the hosts here on The Six uh, in our group chat, said, well, Dak just broke his ankle. Here comes Andy Dalton. And yet, though, folks, Andy Dalton, and like I have said, though, folks, and we'll also say it again, but as mentioned, again, all the best to Dak Prescott. Again, hopefully nothing worse comes out of it. But, you know, Isaiah, like I have said, though, buddy, and I think I even said this on Saturday Night Show or even earlier in the week, is that – I have always been a firm believer in change of scenery, helping a player or a coach who's probably been stuck in the mud, has not been able to kind of get or live to live up to expectations or kind of needs to get back to what he once was. And Andy Dalton comes in. I know first play he comes in, he gets sacked. Big deal. But he comes back, though, leads this ball club to a comeback victory. You now, again, a very much punch counter punch game, though. I think he's got something left to prove, though. He's going to have to be that guy to prove it, though, obviously, of course with that injury going on. And again, the Giants oh so close to winning their first game of the year, but no can do in this fall game. Some uh, comments here rolling in about Dak and the injury. Christo with a very great point, though, Isaiah. The only people happy about the injury, Philadelphia Eagle fans, who I think is absolutely despicable. And I'll say more about that in just a moment when we in fact talk about the Lakers winning their 17th title. Also as well, Angel says, major credit to CBS for not showing the Dak injury. More than once, of course, we all—well, uh, not all of us, but I think I'm sure of you. Uh, a lot of you folks have to remember the Joe Theismann broken leg, also being sh- uh, being shown on television. Christy does. Uh, Christy can in fact follow up with an update. Surgery complete and successful. So now a long road of recovery for Mr. Prescott. James agrees, though. Feel awful for Dak, and now we'll see what Annie Dalton has left in the tank. And also, Jesus agrees. Prayers up for Dak Prescott. Casey also prayers out to Dak Prescott as well. And ha- uh, Angel has a great point, though. His season is over, but now let's hope, let's hope that his career is not over. And, Chris, I agree. The NFC least with it, with uh, how bad uh, that division has been. And Christy agrees. Next man up, the Cowboys need to rally around Andy Dalton for sure. And also, Angel says, it's not every day you see the 1-3 and Cowboys and 0-4 Giants being considered a game of the week. And Angel says, the way that Tony Romo reacted on the broadcast – you knew something horrible had happened. I agree, Isaiah, because like I said, though, man, when I initially saw Dak Prescott grab his calf, I thought he was cramping. But then as you kind of perhaps looked around and he saw his ankle, and it's at that very you know ugly angle, you're thinking, my goodness, this guy just broke his damn ankle. So Isaiah, overall thoughts, though. Uh, and also, uh, does uh, credit have to be given, though, to CBS for not showing this injury? In a way, it reminds me a lot, though, of not Theisman but Kevin Ware, the former player from Louisville, who snapped his leg during the uh, March Madness basketball tournament about seven or eight years ago.
0: Yeah, man, I remember that. That one was really gruesome. But in terms of this injury, yeah, you got to give major props to CBS for not showing that. Uh, It was a very uh, gruesome injury, like you said, Callan. The foot was sticking uh, one way. The body was sticking another. It was just really, really bad, man. I just feel bad for him and his family because, you know, he could have secured – not only his future, but the future for his kids and probably his grandkids. If he gotten a massive contract, like they were talking about early in the off season. And, you know, it just sucks that, you know, he can't, he didn't get that contract, but now he, uh, all that, all the hopes of that contract are probably dashed now because of this major injury. So I really feel bad for him. Um, it just goes to show you, man, uh, like for all the other quarterbacks out there, you really need to, you, you shouldn't like I'm going to say this. You shouldn't play on a franchise tag because like I don't care, you know, if you like you want to bet your, on yourself and stuff like that. Those things are really risky. Like something could happen to you, especially in a game of football where, um you know, it's a very violent sport. Something could happen to you just like that. And all that money that you were banking on yourself getting when you were trying to play on the franchise tag could be gone just like that.
1: Christie also agrees about CBS. Good for them to not show the replay multiple times. Don't think I could have personally have handled it. Uh, Definitely for sure that I, for one, definitely agree with that one as well. But again, folks, the Cowboys behind Andy Dalton, his first uh, appearance as a cowboy after his time uh, with the Bengals, wins the game 37, 34 game winning field goal, nonetheless kicked to win the ball game. And also uh, Angel, I believe with a pro wrestling injury, reminds him of 2001 in world championship wrestling with a foot injury suffered by Sid. Uh, with Sid was uh, Sid, his foot also in a way dangling. So definitely uh, viewer discretion advised. We're going to uh, be watching the replay of that injury. But again, folks, the Cowboys win 37-34. Again, uh, perhaps a very gut-wrenching emotional victory for that, uh, for that organization. Again, with the uh, injury suffered. By quarterback Dak Prescott again, uh, per reports, though, gathered uh, surgery confirmed and uh, completed, and also uh, on his way, hopefully, to a speedy recovery. But again, the Cowboys do win, though, 37 34. Final game for the uh, for the NFL coverage, Isaiah uh, goes to the Browns and Colts today. Another great game, but the Cleveland Browns are 4 1 for the first time since two gentlemen named Bill Belichick and Nick Saban were working with that organization, I believe, circa 1999. With the, Cow- with the uh, Browns going 4 to 1 on the season, they win 32 23. And Isaiah, I don't know though, man, if it's really still like hit yet that the Browns are like actually pretty good this year. But though, but, but I will say, man, after that first game of the year, though, they have turned things around big time. They've did a great 180. Uh, Baker Mayfield's look great. All the, uh, the offense seems to be gelling as a great unit. And also, again, edging out the uh, Colts and Phillip Rivers today from Cleveland. Isaiah, I don't know, man, but Cleveland's looking pretty damn good right now at this juncture. What do you got from this game? My thoughts on this is give Kevin Stefanski the Coach of the Year trophy right now. He
0: absolutely deserves it. it, Last year, the Cleveland Browns offense was putrid. Baker Mayfield was struggling big time. Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't getting uh, his catches, and he was throwing tantrums on the field. Uh, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, those guys weren't, uh, you know – like those guys were struggling and they were unhappy uh, under Freddie Kitchens and you fire Freddie Kitchens. You go to Kevin Stefanski, a competent offensive minded coach who has come in, put in a, competent offense. And look what has happened, man. Odell is balling. Nick Chubb's balling. Baker Mayfield is balling. It just goes to show you that Baker Mayfield, all he needed was a coach that could help him develop a quarterback guru. And that's what Kevin Stefanski is. Props to Kevin Stefanski, man. Uh, not only has he been able to show me that he's a great offensive coach, but he's been able to show me that he's a great head coach by being able to manage all the massive egos that are there on the uh, Cleveland Browns roster. Miles Garrett is not acting up. Odell's not acting up. Baker's not acting up. So great job, Kevin Stefanski. Keep it up, man. I really think the Cleveland Browns, they have a legit shot to win the NFC, uh, the AFC North.
1: I definitely agree. Only if this play, as I've said, Isaiah, countless times, though, is you, this has to be – you know, consecutive games. You can't afford to, you know, win four in a row now, but at the same time as well, then lose like the next three or four games in a row. But it's been a lot more consistent and great play on the offense side, though. But David, though, has a great point, though, about his hometown ball club. This defense is fierce. And of course, they have uh, uh, probably not been known for their defense, but it's been very good this year. But also, I think like Kevin Stefanski gets votes probably for coach of the year. I think he probably is the front runner at this juncture, I mean, maybe a po- you know maybe a possible Matt Nagy eye rolls included in regards to how the Bears have been with their quarterback situation and the four and one start that they're off to. But also, Angel agrees though four and one is no accident that the for the Browns they are a dangerous ball club when everyone is at 100 percent and again when you don't have egos clashing and stuff like that. Definitely agree for sure. Uh, one quick uh, stat clarification from Mister Stotsky, our hometown Browns fan. It was actually 1994 that the Browns were last four and one. Uh, again, that was with both Belichick and uh, Sabin, still with the organization. Uh, Christy wanted to say, though, that 1999 was a uh, eternity. <laughs> it feels like an eternity, pretty much, about what, 20, almost 21. To, uh, man, it's been a long time, pretty much. And also, uh, real quick, <clears throat> some odds from Mr. Davis about that Saints Chargers game from the MGM. Saints are eight and a half point favorites tomorrow night. The over under is 50 on this ball game. So sorry, Isaiah, but it looks like it's all in favor of when the Saints go marching in to go and knock out the L.A. Chargers. James, though, agrees, though, on this one, Isaiah. I think you would agree as well. Waiting to see, though, how they will play against Pittsburgh. Then we'll see if they are ready for prime time. Definitely agree. But also props, no doubt props to uh, Cleveland. And also Casey agrees, though, with James's earlier point. Browns got the talent and look good so far. Their test will come versus the Ravens and versus the Steelers. Angel also agrees. AFC North all of a sudden is three teams between Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. But James has one big name. Just need Nick Chubb back. That's all they need to do. And also, real quick, uh, also running in is Brad. He says Browns next game, Steelers lost, but then three winnable games with Cincinnati, the Raiders, and the Texans also uh, on the schedule as well. And David agrees with Miles Garrett. Oliver Vernon, and uh, the rest of the gang. Most underrated D-line in the NFL. Isaiah, do you agree? I do, actually. I really do. And you got to give major props
0: to Joe Woods, who has been able to, you know, put this, not put this, de- yeah, put this defensive line together and make them work as a collective unit Joe Woods look what he did last year with the San Francisco 49ers and he leaves for Cleveland and look at the 49ers now I know like there's been a lot of injuries with the 49ers but that defense hasn't been that good this season Uh, I think that it was more Joe Woods than it was Robert Sala last year but Joe Woods is a phenomenal defensive mind Uh, he was great with Denver he was great with San Francisco and now he's doing great things in Cleveland so I really hope the Cleveland Browns keep it up because You know, that defensive line, they're definitely going to have to get after it when they're playing guys like Lamar Jackson and Big Ben if they want to have a chance to win.
1: David wanted to throw one more name in there, fellas, real quick. That was um, Adrian Claiborne. Also throw him in the mix, too, for depth as well uh, for Cleveland. And also, Chris, with some very interesting news from around the Vegas Valley. The Chargers are actually getting 85% of the tickets and money for this game tomorrow, so very interesting to see how people are actually wagering their funds for this game and also real quick they've been also dropping uh sheldon richardson into coverage at linebacker and it's worked it's been wild how this defense has worked i definitely agree and especially with how cleveland has in fact cleveland again the browns over the colts today 32 23 isaiah i believe you wanted to add on one more point what do you got for this one
0: yeah i wanted to respond i guess it was uh who was um, the guy that was commenting about the uh, the people throwing in money for the Chargers and Saints? Mister Davis,
1: our uh, inside Davis. source from the MGM.
0: Perfect. I just wanted to say that I am one of those people that is throwing in money up and money about the uh, the Chargers. So please, Chargers, I'm begging <laughs> you right now. Please, Justin Herbert, pull that upset off.
1: Can confirm that our, uh, that our executive producer, Sherville Stephen Wang, I believe, won $204 on the Lakers winning the NBA title, I think. I might be wrong about that. I don't know, but Stephen won some cold hard cash for the Lake Show winning their 17th. Title. We'll talk about them. Uh, actually, right about now, actually, as we get to the NBA okay. seven here, folks, again, the LA Lakers and the um, Miami Heat, uh, game number six of the NBA Finals. The Lakers winning the game 106-93. But Isaiah, before we actually, man, get to the topic here, I want to go back into the archive and talk about, or at least re-watch part of the night shift from last night about what I said would be the big factor for the Lakers to win this game six and win their six uh, their seven-team title. Let's go and see what I had to say for myself. What do we got? I would think so. And, I, and, of course, Isaiah, I know people are probably, you know, ready to make the jokes about the Lakers blowing a 3-1 lead. But, again, as a reminder, LeBron has not blown a 3-1 lead in his career. Uh, and, again, I think it was just more so I think the Lakers, like I said, though, uh, perhaps earlier on Saturday, Isaiah, or maybe even on Friday, uh, is that, you know, um, we, we've seen the Lakers kind of have, like, these throwaway games, but also the thing that I think at this point in time is going to dictate how game six goes is if the Lakers are playing from behind. I would, I would think a lot of people would agree with me. If the Lakers find themselves losing the first quarter by any stretch of the imagination – that they would, in fact, lose this game. If the Lakers are off to a sloppy start with turnovers, unnecessary flashy play, uh, and missing shots, they're not going to win this game. And I really think that the first quarter, the first 12 minutes maybe in my mind, dictate who wins this game, whether it's the Lakers if they come out firing on all cylinders. But also, like I said, though, as well, Isaiah, that Miami had this very crazy shooting night in Game 5 or like anything that they threw up in the air was going in, whether it was from the mid-range, from inside the, you know, from uh, down low, mid-range, and also from beyond the arc, though. I feel like, though, Isaiah, we've seen this so many times, though, in basketball, man, I and I always think back to, like, the 2000 uh, Lakers playing the Blazers in Game 7 where the Blazers got to that very big lead and they were hitting every single shot. And then as the fourth quarter kind of came around, though, I know, of course, this is two different Laker ball clubs we're comparing to, Isaiah, but that Portland went cold, that eventually went cold, and the Lakers eventually got hot. But I think that the first quarter, the first 12 minutes might be what plays uh, the biggest in my mind for how game six does, in fact, go. A couple comments, will? So, Isaiah, let's recap. I said that the Lakers had to win the first quarter of this ball game no, Chris, we're not going to move on to the next subject here. We have to talk about this game. But again, like I said, though, is that the Lakers had to win the first quarter. If, if they got behind the eight ball in this ballgame, they were done for. They were absolutely doomed for because we have seen how they have been so erratic in the first quarter uh, and other things going on with how that they had looked in certain games. Game one against Portland. Game one against Houston. Game three against Denver. Game three and then game five against uh, the Miami Heat and also that the Heat could not sustain shooting everything, you know, throwing it up from anywhere on the floor and it going into the basket. They were going to eventually miss shots and the Lakers were eventually going to uh, come over and take the game. The Lakers were up by 8 after the first quarter, built a big lead at the half and still won the game by a, a wide margin 106-93. It's the 17th title in Lakers history, 12th in Los Angeles and also LeBron James unanimous finals MVP in this fall game, but Isaiah, I will take no credit for the Lakers winning because we all knew, though, that they were going to eventually respond, and they have done a great job, I think, of responding in the postseason. They did a great job of that after game one in the first two rounds, after game three against Denver, game three against Miami, and, of course, game five in the finals against Miami. Isaiah, overall thoughts on the entire series, but also I will say real quick, though, major props, major respects, a major tip of the hat, though, to the Miami Heat, of course. I know that they were banged up and bruised lipping into the series. And uh, of course, Goran Drogic came back tonight. Uh, Bam on a bio came back. Jimmy Butler played a phenomenal, phenomenal final series. I think he would have won finals MVP if it wasn't for LeBron James, but Butler in Miami, this is a ball clip folks that is not going to go away anytime. So it's going to be very fun to see how Miami plays out in that Eastern conference. Probably should be the favorites. I think for the conference title next season, depending on what happens with Milwaukee and Boston, Toronto, but Isaiah overall thoughts on the entire series, And of course, the Lakers winning it all for the first time in 10 years. Callen, I think
0: that a major sports network should offer you 17 million dollars a year to broadcast games because you're like Tony Romo, man. You I don't know how. Like you go are, are you like are, I'm I'm trying to think. Are you from this time currently? Like are did you go into a time machine and time travel to uh, at like to game six before the show yesterday, and then come back and tell us what exactly was going to happen. Cause you predicted it 100% correct. I'm like, everything you said happened. The Lakers, you said we're going to, they needed to win the first quarter. What happened? They dominated that first quarter. They had great swarming defense. You said that Miami was not going to be able to sustain their hot shooting. What happened? Tyler Hero, he was. He was ice cold tonight. Uh, he hit the um, the side of the backboard like Paul George on one of his shots in the second quarter. Duncan Robinson, he was nowhere to be found. Jimmy Butler only had, what, I think 12 points in this game. It was the Miami Heat were just ice cold tonight. The Lakers seemed like they had more energy than the Miami Heat from the jump, and that's why they won this championship is because the Lakers Uh, They just had more energy. They came ready to play. and The Miami Heat were ice cold, and they just didn't have the energy. They were just tired out from the bruising battles in the first five games of this series. But, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Credit goes to the Miami Heat. They are going to be a pain in the Eastern Conference for years to come, especially now that they have, like, lots of cap space to spend in the 2021 free agency. Uh, If they can land Giannis and Antetokounmpo, man – you could honestly see Lakers heat for several years to come. But, man, Callen, the words just can't describe what I'm feeling right now. You know, I've, like in, as I said in the beginning, I've been waiting 10 years for this. Uh, you know, we us Laker fans have been through a long, long, painful drought, uh, you know, from winning in 2010 to Kobe Bryant sadly breaking down um, beneath our view. And then us just starting guys like Ryan Kelly and Robert Sacre and Chris Kamen and Jordan Clarks and Nick and Nick Swaggy P young. And then you go to the D'Angelo Russell era and then Russell snitches on Swaggy P. He gets traded. And that's an embarrassment right there. He gets traded and we're left with Lonzo Ball thinking, Oh, Lonzo Paul's going to be the savior of this franchise and bring us back to Glory, but instead Lonzo Ball can't buy a shot to save his life. And then uh, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, I love those guys, but those guys get traded, and finally we get LeBron James. And after all those years of these me- star free agents, From the LaMarcus Aldridge's of the world, the Marcus Sosa of the world, the Kevin Durant's rejecting us. We finally get LeBron James, and last year, we get Anthony Davis, and the trophy resides back in Los Angeles once again. This Laker team, man, they they never stopped fighting. Frank Vogel, a guy that when he was hired um, from day one, You know, a lot of people were saying that Frank Vogel was going to get fired in the middle of the season and Jason Kidd was going to replace him. And Frank Vogel, I think, uh, really did a phenomenal job in these playoffs and especially in the finals. One of the biggest changes that he made was after he saw that Miami had adjusted to that big lineup with Dwight Howard. What does he do? He goes small in game six and insert Alex Caruso into the starting lineup instead of Dwight Howard, and the Lakers from the jump they were just more energetic than Miami with that small ball lineup. So great, uh, kudos to you, Frank Vogel, for a great coaching performance. LeBron did his thing, Anthony Davis did his thing, Danny Green, despite all the despite the missed shot in Game Five, the death threats that he was getting before, I uh, know after the game. He he came in. He knocked down four triples. KCP absolutely balled out like he was seeking a max contract. Kyle Kuzma came out ready to go. It was just an all-around team effort, man. And I'm just really happy that number 17 resides in Los Angeles. And now now we are tied with the Boston Celtics for the most championships in. Uh, NBA history the only bad thing about tonight was it just sucks that we couldn't be able to have fans in the stand and celebrate either at Staples or the American Airlines Arena because that would have been much sweeter but other than that it was a sweet sweet night
1: yeah it would have been a Miami home game if in fact we were actually playing at Staples or at American Airlines uh, Arena down there in South Miami Beach and uh, comments rolling in Stephen Wang uh, first wanted to write and say great call by Callen No credit given whatsoever. I just had that feeling pretty much. Also, Christy agrees the Lakers were not behind the eight ball for the entire game. And also, David agrees, though, Isaiah. That Heat team will be back. Excited to see Duncan Robinson develop a bit more. Uh, Him and Tyler Hero, uh, spectacular play by those two guys across the board. Also, as well, Christy also wants to to agree. I think Miami proved that they belonged in the finals. I hope they make it again next season. And of course, I don't think that you could sleep on a Eric Spolstra or even Pat Riley established ball club for sure. That definitely would yep. be great to see how things go on. Also, as well at this juncture, uh, what do we have here? Christy <laughs> says that CBS should hire me. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I, I do have a turn so who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, Chris has some odds for us for the uh, for next season. Lakers open up at the favorite at plus 400. Quick clarification, the Warriors and Heat are both at plus 800. Then the LA Clippers are at plus 500 right now. Um, also, Alex wrote in to say real quick, Giannis has one more year on his contract in Milwaukee before we see how things go with that. And also Angel says Laker fans deserve this. Don't want to hear about an asterisk. And of course, Brad wanted to talk about this. Uh, Brad, there is no asterisk on this in my mind because nope. every single NBA ball that was in the bubble had to endure the same thing. And if anything, as Isaiah has said plenty of times, though, this is probably the hardest one to win because you were in the middle of a season grinding forward all the way from October till March. Global crisis hits. You're shut down for six months, and you have to kind of, in a way, restart and go back into still playing eight regular season games and still play out the postseason. There's no asterisk on the, NH, on the, uh, on the Larry O'Brien this year. No asterisk as well either on the Stanley Cup this year, in my mind, because both these leagues were already practically 75 80% complete. So I don't think it's even justifiable to have that argument uh, about an asterisk. And nor will the World Series have one, nor does the WNBA Championship, and neither does the MLS Cup this year. No asterisk on any of these championships this year. Simple as that. And also, real quick, uh, Angel writes in as well, hope the Lakers and Celtics uh, meet next year for title number 18. That would be pretty awesome to see. And also as well, David says the most impressive will always be the Cavs title down 3-1, dropping 40-9 and and coming back against the greatest team of all time in quotes in regards to the uh, Warriors and their 73 wins. And also Angel agrees, think Miami will be good for a few years. And also uh, Casey agrees the Lakers kicked some ass, did a great job out there. Nice way to close it out. And congrats to the Lakers on winning it all as a type of Celtics. They definitely earned it. Uh, Isaiah, we'll go back over to you. What do you got for us?
0: Listen, I want to address that asterisk point. I think the only asterisk, like the asterisk conversation is coming from Clipper fans, salty Clipper fans who they were chasing the Lakers all year and then they somehow, some way, choke a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets and not even can't even get to the NBA Finals. So Clipper fans shouldn't be talking. And also the this conversation is also coming from Celtics fans as well because they just can't, um, you know, they just like are really pissed off that at the fact that we tied the Boston Celtics for the most uh championships in NBA history. I agree with you completely, Callan. I do not want to hear anything about an asterisk. I think this was the uh hardest win, hardest won NBA championship of all time, uh, because of all the obstacles they had to go through. And Callan, the one thing that you forgot to mention was Kobe's death. You know, a lot yeah. of people said that you know Kobe's dad like the team would use it as fire they could have easily used that and become emotionally crippled because a lot of these guys they uh idolized Kobe Bryant Back when they were uh, back when they were little kids, so they could have been emotionally crippled and just be like, "Yeah, we're throwing the uh, white towel or the white flag into the season because Kobe died. We don't want to play, man. We're mourning and we're hurting, stuff like that." But for these guys to, even though it was a devastating loss, to come off the mat and win this championship for Kobe and his daughter Gigi Bryant is so damn impressive. I'm really proud
1: of this team. I do agree, though, in regards uh, to Brad's point, though, uh, Brad, I do agree, though, about the conversation, at least being there for the asterisk. But I think, though, especially in the NBA and NHL's case, when you already had, uh, you know, you were practically at the finish line back in March uh, and you were practically at the end of the season. We we know, of course, we all have, uh, you know, maybe had arguments about, you know, shortening the season or whatnot. But I think that there that there is no asterisk on the Lightning or on the Lakers because you were already, Practically at the end of the road. And oh, by the way, the NBA already had teams clinching playoff spots. The NHL, I know, d- didn't have that. But they made this work, though, where I think I say that they did this, I think, under the best circumstances, though, again, is bringing teams that probably weren't in yet, like we saw with both hockey and basketball. I think I think that they got this right. Yes, I think that the asterisk uh, conversation is valid. I think it is, in fact, valid and 100% true that there should be a conversation about it. But that both leagues did it right, though, by at least getting those teams in that weren't actually in the playoff race.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that was a smart idea because if they didn't, then you you might have have to have a conversation about the asterisk. But like especially to determine the eighth seed in the Western Conference.
1: Absolutely.
0: Like the eighth seed when the season shut down, it wasn't settled. It wasn't even close to settled. You had teams that were like they were one game back, they were two and a half games back. So they were really close to the Memphis Grizzlies. So I'm glad the NBA brought those teams. To compete uh, with the Blaze or with the Grizzlies for the eighth spot. And also, I'm glad that the NBA only brought the Wizards to compete for the the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference because there's no reason to bring teams that are like 10 and a half games back of the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference and basically have no chance to get that eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. I think the NBA did really, really well. And I'm just looking forward now to. Uh, going hopefully having a parade soon in downtown Los Angeles. And also I'm looking forward to raising that number 17 banner at Staples Center, hopefully with fans and hopefully either against the Boston Celtics on opening (laughs) night so we can shove it in their face or hopefully against Steve Ballmer, Kawhi Leonard, and the LA Clippers. I mean, that would be amazing.
1: I mean, honestly, with how – popular that the Laker Clipper uh, games have been head to head. It would not surprise you that happens, but it'll be like against like Phoenix or Golden state or, you know, some random team like that. Maybe Uh, some more uh, thoughts trickling in Uh, first angel writes in not just, uh, not just this, both the lightning and Lakers expected to win the Stanley cup and Larry O'Brien respectfully. Uh, Brad says the Lakers chase the Clippers all year go Hawks. By the way, got to get props to Atlanta Hawks rocking those MLK jerseys next season. Those are some very nice unis that they're going to wear next season and also the bottom three teams per Mr. Davis, Isaiah and the MGM for the uh, title next year Uh, we got the oh my, the New York Knicks the Pistons and Cavs all at 500 to 1 James Dolan, this one's for you buddy (laughs) the New York Knicks stay losing and taking L's forever Go for it, Isaiah. What do you got? Callan, I just
0: wonder your reaction. I wonder what your reaction would be if when we have our NBA preview show next year and I somehow, some way pick the New York Knicks to uh, not only make the playoffs but win the Atlantic division. That would be behind me.
1: You see that window behind me? I would I would yes, yes. Me, I would pull open the, the blinds, open the window and jump out the window into my driveway. That's what I would probably do at that rate. Uh, With that, though, folks, some more uh, comments trickling in. Uh, Christy agrees So both the NBA and the NHL handled the bubble situation uh, very well. And also, Chris agrees you got to give credit to both leagues. They had their bubbles and zero positive COVID-19 tests done. And also, uh, Isaiah, we have talked about this uh, a lot here, man. But Brett has a great question. Do you guys hope that the NBA keeps the playing games going forward? I give two thumbs up. It was very great, very epic to see how that actually went down, where you literally had the Suns go unbeaten, but they had, but they sadly missed out because of Portland. Then he had Portland play Memphis for the eighth spot. So I think Isaiah, honestly, I'm with Brad. I think it's, I, I hope it stays going forward. But again, that's for the players and uh, the owners to decide. But we'll see how things go. But I personally will give it two thumbs up. I bet it worked out very well for the uh, uh, for the postseason.
0: First of all, Callum, please don't ever remind me about what happened to the Phoenix Suns ever again. Uh, I give two thumbs up as well because – and I've said this before on – not this program, but another program. And that is the NBA, what made this year very exciting, despite all the stoppage, what made this year very exciting was, you know, the final week of the regular season, getting – to play like getting to see some meaningful basketball because normally in a typical nba season those like final game like final games are just teams like resting players getting ready for the postseason or teams just like you know sitting out their players if uh they're not they're not in playoff contention and just keeping them fresh for next season and just tanking for the lottery it's just not really exciting the final uh two or three weeks of the regular season so these. Uh, play-in games actually make the final two or three weeks of the regular season really, really fun to watch. And I really hope that Adam Silver and Mark Tatum really con- uh, continues it because those final couple of weeks, like, we need that for, like, well, well, yeah, those final couple of
1: weeks, it will be really exciting if you keep those uh playing games. Brad, I am all for this buddy because I think that if you want like drama in the NBA regular season, I know a lot of people that I talk to that I ask if they're basketball fans tell me, eh, I don't really watch the playoffs or the finals roll around. But if the NBA, I think if 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 the NBA wants to keep fans engaged for a full 82 game season like it like they usually do, I would think this has to become a thing. And I think that if you want meaningful games down the stretch i always i, I want to compare this a little bit to september baseball when you have teams that have been probably on the bubble or they've been struggling all season but they kind of get hot and they're near getting into the wild card race or the division championship race that's when i think baseball gets very exciting and also if your team's on the clinch uh, uh, on the verge of clinching a playoff berth i definitely think that's probably the way to go but i think folks that where we are probably all in agreement i would definitely agree that uh that should uh that that should stay in place for the time being. And also David uh, on his thoughts on the asterisk, he says, absolutely none aside from the teams who were in the bubble or not invited to the bubble. Most teams had a shot as far as most difficult. Don't see it. Didn't see the struggle this year with the Lakers. They were dominant most of the way and was much deserved that they won the whole thing per David. And also as well, Angel thinks it'll be Lakers Clippers on opening night sometime in January. And uh, Casey agrees the Knicks have a long way to go. Uh, one quick question here, Isaiah, from Casey. Do you think that there, uh, there will be fans uh, when both leagues begin operations sometime in either December or January? I think there will be.
0: I think there will be, but I don't think it'll be full capacity. I think it'll look like what... Uh, college football is looking like right now with uh, just 25% or 30% capacity. Um, and also, I think that it will look like somewhat what the Kansas City Chiefs have right now, which is, I think, 20% capacity. I think like it would the NBA would do that because they need to gain some revenue. They can't have another season of no fans in the stands and zero money coming in.
1: And the NHL, of course, very a, a gate-driven uh, revenue for the most part in the uh, NHL, of course. And I believe that there's a lot of plans in place. Can't really uh, confirm nor deny, but I, I know that there's plans at least to get uh, season ticket holders' first priority into games uh, here in San Diego. What I have gathered at least, but nothing further has been said at this juncture. And also, um, Christy hopes they keep the play-in games going. Angel says, uh, I actually like the play-in format in the NBA. Could see the NHL expand to 10 teams, again, as they, in fact, add the Seattle Kraken in a couple of years as well. And also, Christy says that uh, AT&T Stadium is roughly at 20 to 25% capacity. I believe they said it was 25% on the telecast today on CBS. And also, uh, Davis says that the Vegas Golden Knights need at least 40% to be able to make it financially come next season at T-Mobile Arena. Um, and hopefully that the, uh, sale of their new gold uniforms probably hopefully helps that revenue go up. But again, folks, the Lakers win their 17th title, in, uh, their 12th in LA, 106, 93 over the Miami Heat to uh, lock up their 17th title. And again, in a very weird and lunar year for the NBA, but again, props again to Adam Silver and the NBA for again, uh, a great several uh, weeks and months of basketball. And also again, no positive tests coming out of the NBA or for that matter, NHL bubbles this year. Final time up for the night, Isaiah ALCS game one from San Diego, California today. The Tampa Bay Rays. Do it again, buddy. Another uh, big game for the uh, Rays offense. They win two to one by virtue of home runs in this ball game. And more so, again, the Rays winning it two to one. A final score from Petco Park to take a 1 0 lead over Houston. Isaiah, probably not the best pitching match. Blake Snell struggling in this ball game. And also, again, Houston continuing to again mash the ball out of a ballpark. But Isaiah, Tampa Bay. And their knockdown comeback ability is a uh, was a great thing to see. And again, they go up one game to none on the Strohs. Isaiah, uh, final takeaways from game one and seeing the Rays top Houston in game one of the ALCS earlier on Sunday.
0: Unfortunately, I never got to watch this game live because, you know, obviously my attention was focused on the NBA finals game uh, because my Lakers were in it. But... The Rays, they've looked like one of the best teams in baseball all year long. They have a tremendous pitching staff led by uh, Charlie Morton. They have uh, Blake Snell. They have Tyler Glasgow uh, in that rotation. Those three are so fierce. Uh, Their lineup is actually very sneakily good. Uh, You know, I've been doubting the Rays lineup all this season. I thought they were kind of flukish, but, hey, they proved me wrong. Guys like uh, Mike Brozo, uh, G-Man Choi um austin meadows has really stepped it up a lot of no-namers but they've really stepped it up And that bullpen man that bullpen has been elite all year long the astros for me the reason why i don't see the astros winning this series is because of their bullpen like i don't care like if you have mccullers Grankey, uh frambor valdez christian javier if you have those guys starting if like the rays are a team that's going to grind out at bats
1: absolutely
0: Yes, if those pitchers for the Astros can only go like five innings, then you're going to have to rely a whole lot on that bullpen. And that bullpen of yours flat out stinks. So I think the Rays, they're just going to do what they do today, and that is, you know – grind out at-bats, make the, the Astros starting pitcher work, and then go and feast on that horrific Astros bullpen who gave up a lot of runs to the Oakland A's, uh, especially in game three of their uh, ALDS. So I, I hope the Rays win it because I just don't want to see the Astros, the cheaters, go to another <laughs> World Series.
1: I mean, we'll see what happens, but definitely Tampa, very good story though. And again, a, I, I know their pitching's not there, but man, This ball club just finds ways, as you said, Isaiah, to grind out out at bats. But, man, in a clutch situation, Tampa just seems to come through in these big moments. You know, RBI base hits, home runs, you know, two-out rally, two-out thunder, two-out magic, whatever you want to call it. They just find a way, man. Every time they find a way to get guys on base and they find a way to bring them in as well. So I definitely like the Rays' chances. Some thoughts here about this at this juncture. Uh, Angel, about the arenas for next NBA and NHL season, do in fact believe that there will be fans in the arenas, but it'll be around 25%. Definitely agree with that. And also, uh, Brad says prediction for the NLCS, nope, there's only one correct answer go Braves. Hashtag chop on. San Diego agrees with you, Brad, about that. And also, uh, Chris has a great question, Isaiah. Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts on the neutral site for the postseason in Major League Baseball? Under the circumstances, we're in Isaiah. I think it's great. Of course, uh, controlled environment. I know there's no fans. There will be fans though starting up for the uh, ALCS uh, in uh, down da- or the NLCS, I should say, down in Arlington. Uh, very uh, starting on Monday between the Braves and Dodgers. They are going to let about eleven thousand people into the ballpark for that game down in Arlington. But Isaiah, I think it's I think it's great under the circumstances. I don't want to see it ever again. But at least for this year, though, they've got this right. They've made it work, obviously. I know, of course, there's no fans, though, but at least that they're playing these games. And for one, domed ballparks or warm weather cities. I know we talk about that a lot with the Super Bowl being played in dome, uh, dome stadiums or in warm weather cities, though, San Diego, L.A., uh, Arlington, and Houston. I personally like it only under the uh, current uh, satellite circumstances that we're stuck in. But, Isaiah, what do you think, though, about how in fact the games have gone so far? I think more than anything else, though, it's been great for offense, seeing teams like Tampa Bay. And the Yankees playing in San Diego, for example, or the Astros and A's playing in uh, playing in Los Angeles, uh, the Padres and uh, Dodgers down in Arlington, and of course the Bra- uh, Bravos and the Marlins playing in uh, at Minute Maid. Isaiah, what do you where do you stand? I like it, but again, only for right now because again of the ongoing uh, circumstances we're facing, sadly, during the ongoing pandemic.
0: By by the way, before I answer that question, I just want to give a tip to our audience out there: make sure you guys. Uh, Keep tuning in and stay like uh, stay until final thoughts because I've got a really good final thought prepared. But as far as uh, your question, Calen, I really oh my god, I really like it because you know as you've seen, especially in San Diego and Los Angeles, the ball is going out left and right, Calen. Like who knows? Maybe if me and you like especially like yeah me and you strapped on a batting helmet and put on a uniform we could hit the ball out of the park like four times out of six with how uh the ball's flying down there in san diego and los angeles i like it as a one-time thing uh because of the whole covid pandemic but i miss like you know seeing the fans go crazy at the home ballpark especially like From my experience, I work in Oakland and I've like been to an A's home playoff game and that atmosphere, you can't replicate it where the fans, you have like 70,000 people waving the rally towels, going crazy after uh, every pitch. So I just want to see that. um, I hope that we can see that for next season and beyond and not have to be stuck in this bubble ever again.
1: David agrees there uh, this year only for neutral site ballparks as someone who has been to a game seven, a heartbreaker nonetheless against the Cubs in 2016. There's nothing like the energy of a home crowd. I would say in any sport, but I think that baseball and probably football, are probably the two best playoff environments. Hockey is also another one that's up there as well. And definitely for sure. Uh, as someone that can vaguely remember the 98 Padre playoff run against the Astros and the Braves. Uh, my dad take me to game three against the Braves. And the electricity in the ballpark, uh, you know, every pitch that's thrown, the, if there's a strikeout, the crowd's going bananas. Every home run hit, definitely for sure agreed uh, with that, uh, with, the, uh, with um, uh, the question and also with David about the uh, 2016 World Series between the Cubs and the Indians. James agrees, though, homers are going to fly out of San Diego this week as temperatures go up angel agrees though hate neutral site for the postseason allow and allowing fans kills the purposes of the bubble environment excellent point there and uh steven behind the scenes says not a fan of the new abc espn nba theme by the way steven i believe that it's only for the finals they change the music but after that though it's the it's the one that we all remember very well but it's uh only for the finals when they in fact change up their music on espn and casey says i'm okay with it but next year no go back to playing postseason in home ballparks, Isaiah, what do you got for us to add on,
0: Callan? I was just going to ask you, man. With the temperatures going up this week in San Diego, uh, you want to go ahead? You want to go grab a couple of bats and balls and head over and try to sneak into Petco Park and maybe we can have like a home run derby this weekend?
1: Or I, have this better, week? I have better luck hitting it out of Bumblebee Park at Gallagher Square in the park of the park than I do actually hitting it out at Petco because I never hit a single homer in my baseball career. Not even an inside the park home run either. So I sadly cannot vouch for hitting balls over the fence at any ballpark either. Uh, but with that, folks, we'll now segue over to tonight's final thoughts. Time to wrap up another episode and another week of coverage here, folks, on the MI6 Sports Network. We'll start off with Isaiah. Uh, give us your final thoughts or your final rant about your Niners there, good sir. What do you got for us? Callen for the second con- in case you're wondering folks just like I called the Lakers playing in game 6 after uh, the video we saw I in fact read Isaiah's mind he's going to rant about the Niners. So we now we'll go back to Isaiah here's ran about the San Francisco 49ers. Callen
0: for the second consecutive week I really don't know where to start man. Um I I need to kind of get on you a little bit because uh for no BS, you know, when we were picking the 49ers and Dolphins game, I you kind of tricked me, man. I didn't know that.
1: Nope. <laughs> uh we'll have to pause the rant for right now. Uh apparently you some, guys got uh, me? Someone was <laughs> someone was calling Isaiah. Isaiah, go for it, man. We'll uh, we'll let you continue. Go for it.
0: Sorry, I, I got a phone call in the middle of the show, but um, about like the Niners, man, I kind of got to get on you because when we were picking our games for no BS, right? Like you never mentioned to me that Dan Marino had come out of a time warp and jumped back in and was playing this week against the 49ers. Cause if you mentioned that to me, I would have definitely picked the dog.
1: Isaiah, didn't I not say Isaiah, did I not say that I would take. Ace Ventura, and Snowflake the Dolphin over the Niners this past week. I believe that includes Dan Marino. So I think I'm actually right about this one, but please proceed.
0: Yes, man. I Ryan Fitzpatrick today looked like the second coming of Dan Marino. It just shows you how porous our defense was. Um, the corner, uh, Brian Allen was getting burned left and right. It was just not pretty to watch. He was benched in the second quarter. But... Man, the Niners, all I got to say is just cancel the season on the 49ers. Cancel the 49ers season. The season is over. See you guys all next season. Just look at the gauntlet of the next six games for the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers, their next six games are goes like this. Versus the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night football, then at the New England Patriots, then at the Seattle Seahawks, then they come home against Green Bay on Sunday night, I believe, and then at the New Orleans Saints, and then they finish that up with uh at the Los Angeles Rams. And then the final game, I believe, is against the Buffalo Bills at home. I could honestly see the 49ers losing all those games. This the first five games of our season were supposed to be like the easiest part of our season before we got to that gauntlet. And for the 49ers to go two and three is absolutely unacceptable. The offensive line sucks. The, we have major question marks at quarterback. We can't run the football. Our defense is so damn porous. This team is in shambles, man. Just cancel the season on the 49ers. The season is over. I'm looking forward to seeing who the 49ers pick when they get a top five pick in the upcoming NFL draft.
1: I was going to attempt to try to uh, go back in the archive to replay what I had said about picking the Dolphins over the Niners today. But I literally said I will take Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey and uh, Snowflake the Dolphin to beat the Niners. But you guys can find that uh, on uh, uh, pretty much find that on the archive podcast or the archived uh, live stream on YouTube. And also uh, at this juncture um Angel Roden saying, cue the NBC, the more you know sound effect. I'm guessing it's about me knowing that ESPN and ABC changed the theme music for the uh, NBA Finals every season. Uh, Casey writes in his final thoughts. Final thoughts, have a great weekend, everyone. Another great show this weekend. Going to try to tune in on Tuesday as well, but I'll definitely be tuning in again on uh, next weekend. Uh, and go Dodgers in the NLCS. And Isaiah, hopefully you're ready for next Sunday versus my Rams. Go Rams and go Dodgers. Again, Casey, we thank you dearly. For in fact your support and for again tuning in over the past several uh, shows here as well. Also some more thoughts. Again, Angel agrees though. Big mistake for exposing Jimmy G. Now worried about the Rams and the uh, Niners. Uh, David agrees though that they are getting shafted this year in regards to the Niners. James agrees as well. The upcoming Niners schedule sounds like a uh, sounds like walking through hell. Five games in a row and also as well. Christy has her final thoughts. Prayers for Dak Prescott for his recovery. And also Russell Wilson posted a picture of himself rocking a Sue Bird jersey before this game. Of course, the Seattle Storm and Sue Bird winning their fourth WNBA title over the Vegas Aces a couple of days ago down in the Wubble in Bradenton, Florida. So, of course, Russell Wilson always out for supporting the Seattle Storm and his uh, fellow women's athletes as well. And also Angel says, do not go in there. Woo. Also as well. And definitely, uh, Stephen from behind the scenes says, I was right about Fitzpatrick. He could just throw deep balls all day to our corners, and it worked, what I tell you, on No BS yesterday. I believe that may have been Furman Lee, actually, behind the scenes, saying that, perhaps. Uh, But again, I picked Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, and Snowflake the Dolphin. That includes Dan Marino to beat the Niners in that game yesterday. Isaiah, please add on what he got for us.
0: Callan and also the audience that is watching us right now, I need you to help me figure out what I'm going to do on Sundays now, now that I've canceled the season on my San Francisco 49ers. Make sure you guys comment down below. Give me some ideas for what I could do for my Sunday mornings, afternoons, and evenings now that football is gone into the garbage can.
1: Bear down. Watch the Chicago Bears with me and suffer through uh, the Chicago Bears train wreck. Uh, My final thoughts, folks, again, as mentioned, I want to, again, thank everyone out there for your support for, again, and for tuning in and for all of the uh, views, all the comments, and all of the uh, listens on Anchor. Do the folks want to give a very big shout-out to all of my fellow colleagues who have worked in the NBA or NHL bubbles over the past several months, uh, from from the uh, public address announcers to the Game Ops crews, uh, mainly Kyle Speller, uh, Olivier, the voice, uh, DJ Sean Nichols, and my man, uh, Chris Cunan. Uh, Chris actually gave me my first job. Uh, not really first job. But, uh, let me fill in for the uh, Clippers at the time when he was in fact working for the Clippers, uh, with their, uh, AAA team, the, uh, G League Agua Caliente Clippers of Ontario and Christmas around Christmas time a couple years ago, Chris now is with the Lakers and part of a part of their game ops and in-game entertainment crew. So, uh, congrats to, uh, all the employees again, who are down in the bubbles, uh, down in uh, up in Toronto and in Edmonton for the NHL, and of course in Orlando for the NBA. Again, uh, all the PA announcers, statisticians, uh, everyone that again makes these games go off without a hitch. Again, very under the radar, underappreciated jobs that we have out there. So I definitely, guys, uh, thank you all for your great hard work and for your uh, out just you know tremendous work again uh, getting these games off without a hitch and at least giving us some sense of uh, of normalcy during the past several months going on and also as well. Uh, just, uh, again, major props to uh, all of you out there. And, of course, thanks to all of the uh, viewers out there. But, again, wanted to shout out those people. But, again, uh, the Mike Rosses of the world, Kyle Spellers, Olivier, uh, DJ Shauna Nichols, Chris Cunan, uh, and the rest of the gang down in Orlando for, again, a very awesome job with uh, the game presentation. And once more, again, giving us fans a, a chance to uh, have some type of normalcy back in our lives after the past several months of being stuck at home and not much being on television and giving us a escape route from the ongoing pandemic and the crisis. And also, of course, as usual, folks, uh, we thank you all again dearly for tuning in, for joining us here tonight on the night shift. I did not really expect that this, program, well, that this program would be this popular at this late at night, but again, I thank you all dearly for again supporting this network and also again supporting the show at this juncture as well. Uh, some final thoughts rolling in as well. Real quick, Angel agrees, uh, great show, guys. And also, Stephen from behind the scenes says, Isaiah, fix PS3 let's play some NCAA football Definitely agree. And also, uh, David saying, watch the Cleveland Browns winking face emoji. Uh, Christy Wilson says, watch a Cowboys game. Uh, Chris uh, says, bandwagon fan. I'm not necessarily a bandwagon fan. Chicago has been my uh, team for the longest time, even before Rex Grossman took them to the Super Bowl in 2006. And also, uh, James Gonzalez says, on Sundays, go for a hike. Yeah, maybe. Probably, I think there's some good spots there to go hiking up there in the Bay Area. Uh, Casey agrees. Deep go watch party. the Rams play, uh, watch the Rams and also watch the Trojans when it gets started up in November and also angel with the best one of the night, everyone who's worked in the bubble, go home and relax. You guys deserve it. Major salute. I definitely agree. Again, uh, all the people I name drop it again, Kyle Speller of the nuggets, uh, Olivier with the nets, Chris Kudan with the Lakers, uh, Shana Nichols, my dear friend with the, uh, with the Milwaukee bucks. Uh, in the uh, NBA bubble, Mike Ross with the Maple Leafs. Um, I believe Al Murdoch worked a little bit too up in Edmonton for the uh, bubble up there with the uh, for the uh, NHL up there. Also Jeff K in Dallas and also Paul Porter in Tampa Bay. Uh, those two guys leading watch parties for the postseason. But again, uh, major props to all of our uh, all of my fellow uh, colleagues across the uh, game ops and in game entertainment field. Again for uh, the hard work uh, put in for the last several months, several weeks. Uh, for again getting these games off the ground and going off without a problem but again folks we'll start off a brand new week starting up here folks on Wild Sports Talk on Monday and I believe Isaiah we have a, a very awesome guest joining us on the program on WSDM Monday who we got coming on
0: we've got Carolina Teague coming on she is a radio host in san antonio she's going to be joining us tomorrow uh we're definitely going to probably even though she's a spurs fan we're probably going to talk a lot about the lakers uh we're probably going to talk about the cowboys and the houston texans uh i believe so make sure you guys tune in for that but it's going to be a wild show we're going to celebrate the lakers winning the championship can't wait to get john's thoughts on it but make sure you guys tune in for that
1: show so again, folks, Carolina Teague of K-Loop, 9.30 a.m., The Answer in San Antonio, ho- uh, host of Sports Time every morning. Uh, Saturday morning, I believe, down there in the greater San Antonio area. We'll be joining us on WST tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time back here on the Six. And as a reminder, folks, uh, once more. But again, don't forget, join us on Halloween night for the MI6 Halloween Spooktacular. Again, we'll be having all of us dressing up in costumes, talking sports, and also hopefully celebrating our 1,000th listen on the Anchor Podcast app, Isaiah, what do you got for us, buddy? Callen,
0: you know what we should do during the Halloween spectacular? Tell spooky stories as well.
1: I need to go and dig up my uh, "Are You Afraid of the Dark" or uh, scary stories. What was what was it? Scary stories to tell in the dark that I that we that I used to read when you were a kid. My uncle was a huge fan of those, so I, I need to find those books. Or definitely, uh, we can probably talk about the hash slinging slasher, maybe from SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. Who on earth? really knows what that though, folks for Isaiah Leung and for the rest of the cast and crew here from the MI6 Sports Network, we thank you all again dearly once more again, but Angel, Christy, Chris, uh, Casey, Chardal, all the uh, cast and crew again, we thank you again, uh, all of our viewers for once more again, your outstanding, outstanding support again for tuning in at this late of the night once more again and tuning in and Christy says, please guys, no spooky stories. We won't probably do too many of those. Well, we'll, we'll have, if there's a lot of scary sports stories going on, yes, but I don't know about that. And also, Stephen has the link to to check out the Anchor Podcast. Again, folks, we're nearing 1,000 listens on the Anchor Podcast. Again, you can find us, folks, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast app, wherever, in fact, you get your podcast on the daily. But again, folks, for Isaiah LeYoung and for the rest of the cast and crew here, From the MI6 Sports Network, this is Cal McClurg saying goodnight here from San Diego and from Fremont, California. We'll see you folks back here. We're going to kick off a brand new week of coverage on Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. David says, 2.30 a.m., I'm going to bed laughing out loud. But, David, thank you, man, for making through an entire show, man. I know, of course, that the time does not help out with those uh, West Coasters here. But that just shows you, folks, how awesome the audience is here on this network we have folks again people watching across the country here and again literally david's staying up until 2 30 in the morning to watch the program thank you again david so much for your outstanding support man and again david has been a very great friend of my a very close friend of mine for the past several years so of course david we, uh, we thank you all for your support and also Angel you know, says so how about a twilight zone sports edition Ooh, can i do my best rod sterling voice impersonation for a intro for the show i think i probably will i'll work on that but again folks once more isaiah Young, camel clerk saying good night here from san diego and from fremont We'll see you folks again kicking off a brand new week of coverage on Monday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, as mentioned, myself, John and Isaiah and Caroline Teague of K Loop, 9:30 a.m. in San Antonio. Joining us here, to talk all things in the sports world tomorrow night on Monday at 7:30 p.m. Till next time, folks, have a great rest of your night. Take care, stay safe, and stay healthy. So long. Sayonara, farewell. We're out of here. Good night. Bye-bye.